our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day where you have gathered us together into your presence to receive of your word and receive your gifts. We pray that you would let us rest in the promises of Jesus, that you would move by your Holy Spirit and remove distractions from our hearts and minds as we hear of your promises for us. In Jesus' name, amen. The Ten, the ten Commandments is certainly a familiar topic. I mean, you grow up within the church hearing about them. More often than not, we hear them in a way that is like our parents giving us rules, right? When we start to push back against them, should you turn the TV on before 7, or if you should try to take food into your room, or if you should try to get a cookie off of the cookie sheet before you shouldn't get a cookie off the cookie sheet, you get told no. And then a lot of times we say, why? All right, parents in the room, What's the answer when you're pushed and you don't have time to think about it and really think of a thoughtful, encouraging, uplifting response? <laughs> kind of funny, huh? How easy that one rolls off the tongue. Absolutely, because I said so, right? You know there's a good reason that you are enacting this particular rule or law in the house or guideline that might be okay to bend a little bit every now and then. But when we can't think about the background to it or the reason for it or take the time for it, a lot of times it's just because I said so. These parental prescriptions for how the household runs, and a lot of times we come to the Ten Commandments and we see it the same way, because God said so, which actually is okay because um, he created everything, and so he's the one that does get to say, because uh, I said so. This is the way it works, right? But as we come to these Ten Commandments, and as we look at them, there can also be a little bit of confusion because everybody numbers them a little bit differently. Okay? The Jews of Jesus' day would have numbered the Ten Commandments differently than how we hear them. There are certain Protestant churches that will number them differently than how we see them numbered, and none of it really matters. Okay? How they're numbered doesn't really make a difference. How they're necessarily broken out I saw a picture, um, remember that Pastor Augie is going to be coming in to serve over at Escondido for the most part, and you'll see him in a couple of weeks. Uh, I was going through his slides for this, and one of the pictures that I don't have for you up there, I apologize, was uh, of a Marie Callender's chicken pot pie. Okay? And what it started to make me think of, even though he was using it for a different purpose, was that no matter how you number the commandments, what it, no matter what ingredients are there, they're all in there. And that's kind of like a chicken pot pie. You get all the ingredients in there. It doesn't really matter which one you put in first or what order you have them in there in. It's all there. It's all there for your good. It's all there as part of God's word. And so these next 10 weeks, we're going to look at this beautiful chicken pot pie of God's law. Okay? And if that doesn't make you smile when you read the Ten Commandments next time, I don't know what will. But before we even get through 1 to 10, right, we get to this, for us, the zeroth commandment, all right? And you're probably trying to figure out what that is. Well, in Jesus' day, the Jews actually would have looked at this first part of the commandments as the first commandment, this first piece of who God says he is. Why do we need that? Again, your kids will listen to any law that's given in the house. They may not respect it or do it all the time, but they will hear it. 
as you will too when you hear different laws within your employer's uh, handbook or if you are looking at the laws of the city or the state or any of those things. And some of those you respect more because of who gives them to you, right? How many times as a parent would you say something to your kid over and over and over and over and they just never quite heard it and then somebody else says it and the kid goes, that's really smart said it so many times, right? So there's times in which we will hear a law or a direction or a commandment or something along those lines, and because of who gives it, we'll give a different sense of how we receive it. So as we hear these laws, there's a couple different things you could be thinking about God. He is the big joy killer, just wants to take all the fun out of life, and he's handing down this set of rules so that I am bound in a particular way and can only live a particular way and not have any fun. That's what a lot of people think about God. That's their perception going into hearing these commandments and these rules is that all of a sudden there's no more fun to be had. Got to live life on the straight and narrow. No smoking, no drinking, no dancing. Don't get to do any of that stuff anymore, right? That's one perception of God. But that's not exactly how he reveals himself. See, he reveals himself in Scripture in a couple of different ways, actually several different ways, but two we're going to think of today and in that Exodus text that we read earlier and then even in Jesus' words at the Great Commission at the end of Matthew's Gospel. We hear of this God who is definitely true and this God who has judgment for wrongdoing as well as grace and love and mercy and righteousness. So we have these two pieces of God's character and thing. When something goes wrong, there's going to be judgment. When something goes outside the bounds of what goes on, there's judgment. We saw this play out with the Israelites themselves. They were there and uh, as God had taken them and grabbed them together and, and worked them together in history and then led them down into Egypt because of a famine going on in the land, and they sat in Egypt for 430 years. And he says, okay, it's time. It's time to get out of there. Leads Moses down to go talk to Pharaoh, and as they go into Egypt and work all those negotiations out with Pharaoh, and Pharaoh finally sees that this God that's behind Moses is this more powerful God than anything he can do, he lets the people go. Moses leads them by God's direction to Mount Sinai. They sit there 40 days. He leads them over to the promised land, and the majority of the people led there in that generation said, nope, that place looks scary. The people there are crazy. We don't want to go in there. We don't trust you, God. A direction and an expectation. And the people said, no. Okay. Well, instead of 40 days, it's going to be 40 years now. Leads them back into the wilderness, back out, and he says, okay, here's who you're going to be as my people. But we still skipped over this zeroth commandment. See, what God did is as he spoke to those people, before he laid down any law whatsoever, he said, you need to know who I am. I'm the God who brought you out of Egypt. 
I'm the God who has led you and taken care of you. I'm the God who has continued to love you. I'm the God who has brought you grace. I'm the God that has sustained you. I am the God who is leading you into new places, into a promised place, into a place that's going to be wonderful and perfect for you. I am the God who has lifted you out of this bond of slavery in Egypt and placed you into a place of freedom. That's who I am. You saw what I did with the Egyptians how I brought you out, how I led you through the waters on dry ground, how I brought the waters back together and they couldn't chase you anymore. You saw what I did as I've borne you up on eagles' wings. And that sounds beautiful, doesn't it? But you've got to know a couple things about eagles real quick. First off, they're pretty impressive when they fly, right? Big, they've got a presence, regal, majestic. There are these gorgeous birds in the air. They're also the tenderest of the majority of the birds with their young. If you watch most birds, when they nest and when they raise their young, they will sit in a nest, and when the time comes that those little fledglings are ready to fly, they get encouraged out of the nest, and the parents go, Bye! Oh, you didn't open your wings. You hit the ground. That's a bummer. And they just watch them. They let them crash. I don't really do anything with them. An eagle, though, is different. First off, their perch is generally a lot higher. And what they'll actually do, after mother and father have cared for the fledglings, not just the female of the birds, but also the dads, they're working together to care for and feed and raise this young one. They'll encourage that bird out of the nest. And they'll watch that bird take off from whatever perch they're on, and as soon as those wings start to falter and go a little crazy, usually the dad will fly in and swoop in underneath it and actually catch it and bring it back up to the nest. It's an amazing thing. I mean, think about that. That's who God is saying he is. You've seen what I did to bear you up as on eagle's wings. We hear that from God's words himself, we hear that again in Isaiah's prophecies as he talks about how God cares for his people. So who this God is, is one who definitely sets a standard and an expectation and cares for and lifts up and holds on to and provides for and protects. What amazing character of a God. Think about that personality and that character of a God in comparison to all the other gods of the land around, all the other gods of all the other peoples that were demanding and they needed sacrifices so that they would be appeased and then you had to do everything necessary in order to try and get their attention so that they would do something beneficial for you. That's the Egyptian gods. That's the Babylonian gods, that's the Assyrian gods, that's all the gods of all the people outside of Israel. And this one, this true God, looks at his people and he says, you need to know who I am and how I'm different. You've already seen me in action. You've already seen me do the things that are there to protect for you and to provide for you and to care for you. Now here's what it's going to look like to live as my people. See, he sets the expectation first by who his character is, by who he promises to be. From the days of creation, even up to that day of Moses, God was constant and consistent and present. 
working through the means of his creation. He was constant in judgment. When sin arose, there was judgment present. I think of Adam and Eve to start with. Think of Cain and Abel when things started to go outside the bounds of God's uh, expectation for his creation with care and fruitfulness and all of those things. When people went outside those bounds of God's direction, there was judgment for that sin. With Cain and Abel, Cain judged. When the people started to say, you know what, God, we don't want to listen to your word. We're going to live by our own standard and our own direction. Thanks for the gift of life. We got it now. We're going to take it on ourselves and go the direction we want to go and do the things that we want to do. And we really don't care if those around us are cared for and we don't really care if they die. We'll take care of our own. We'll lead our own and we'll decide what we're going to do with this life, these bodies, this world, this creation that you've given us. And then a flood came. God said, all right, Noah, you and the family, take it on from here, right? And things went on and on and on again until the Tower of Babel, when again, everybody in creation at that point was so focused in on their own pride and who they could be and how they could reach God and their accomplishments of their own skills and their own abilities and their own reason and their own mindsets and everything that they could do. And they said, we're going to build a tower to the heavens to show God how important we are. And then you hear him say, hear God say, well, let us go down there and confuse the language. Because if, if we don't, there's no stopping this. They're never going to trust our word. And then the breaking of that language, a judgment for the pride of the people, a judgment for the self-centered thoughts of the people ends up scattering them everywhere. But through all of that, as constant as that judgment for sin is, and even in our own day and age, as we see many of those same sins come about, sometimes they present themselves slightly differently, but the heart and the mindset is exactly the same. God, thanks for setting everything in order if I'm going to acknowledge you at all. And if I'm not going to acknowledge you, then I know I've done it all on my own and I'm going to set up my own rules. In the midst of all of that sin, God's judgment was certainly constant. But so was his promise. His promise that he gave to Adam and Eve where he said, I will make things right between creation and creator. There will be one who comes to conquer death so that that would not reign in this creation anymore, but life would reign. That promise, that merciful, graceful, beautiful promise, that character of God and who he is as the one who bears his creation up on eagle's wings when it's faltering and flailing and not going to make it, he says, I promise to be there. I promise to take care of you. I promise to lift you up. I promise to carry you back to myself. What a beautiful promise. The creator of all things, looking at the minute little pieces of his broken creation and saying, I'm going to put all those back together and bring it back to myself to be cared for, to be loved. See, that's what we get in Jesus. The fulfillment of that promise of who God is, the one who did everything for his people to bring them out of the slavery in Egypt, does the exact same thing through Christ for us to bring us out of that slavery to sin and then bind us to himself in grace and mercy. To gather us back together unto himself to care for us, to be there for us, and 
to provide for us into eternity. Because that isn't a place that we can work off on our own to fulfill all these commandments on our own or live good enough to be worthy of being in that place in his presence. No, he is holy, perfect. Unholy things don't have a presence in the midst of holy things. So what he does then is to grab a hold of us in Christ and say, I make you holy. I've created you, redeemed you, justified you and now by the holy spirit continue to work through you to sanctify you or to make you holy not just for your own benefit that is complete and perfect in christ but for the benefit of all the people around you so that they would know who this same god is so that they would know of this graceful merciful perfect loving protecting providing god this father son holy spirit trinity in unity of a god that is there to take care of his creation all the way into eternity. So that the day when Christ comes back, we see that presence and glory of God come back into the creation and stand there and say, hey, I'm back. Here I am to bring you into my presence. Promises fulfilled and gathers his people back together. Hearts should break for those that have not heard of that word of forgiveness. Our hearts should break for all those outside of Christ so that we could speak to the world about how trying to live life on our own and in our own way is fun for a while. But then it gets pretty lonely because we find out how separated we are from one another and from God. But to be able to speak the words of God into their ears, to let them know of a God who is there to pick them up, lift them up, hold on to them, and continue to provide for them in his righteousness, his love, and his grace. Handed over freely as a gift in Christ. Those are beautiful words that set people free. Those are beautiful words that then take the burden of all of the commandments off of your shoulders, trying to do them all to show God how good you are, and he says, look, I took care of all those and fulfilled it in Christ. Now, all those words still apply, but you get to go do them to take care of all the folks around you. Go do them for the benefit of the people around. That's who our God is. That's the zeroth commandment in the way that we would look at how things are numbered. And that's who God is for you in Christ. You are loved, you're forgiven, and you're set free in him. Be able to live freely and care for the people around you. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us through your Son, through Jesus. We pray that you would continually point us by your Holy Spirit back to his completed work done for us. That you would let us rest in that promise of fulfillment so that as we rise up each day, we know that you would continue to work through us for the benefit of the world around us. We pray that you lead us, Lord. That we would never point to ourselves for our own glory, but solely point to you as the one who continues to bear us up on your wings. In Jesus' name, amen.